let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey everybody, welcome to Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. I am Andrew Jordan. And I'm Emily. My wonderful, beautiful, adorable (laughs) co-host. Thanks. (laughs) And we're really excited to have you here with us. We have a pretty cool, very um, unique topic, I think. Yeah. Um, Today we're really happy to have with us Emma Price, who is our friend, and she's going to share her experience and her thoughts and feelings about um, child loss specifically. But um, we just... We want to make sure that everybody knows from this episode that everybody goes through hard times. And it's how we use these hard times in our lives that makes a huge difference in everything. Yeah, and I think specifically one thing I would like to address is is how to not lose faith in our Heavenly Father and not lose trust in Him uh, in moments of of real struggle. Cause I think that's something that's really prevalent in our world today where like, as soon as something gets hard or as soon as something uh, gets confusing, we blame God and we assume that he must've wronged us or something. And then we, we leave. Um, and I know it's stories or situations are a lot more complicated than that, but we want to talk about that whole jumble of funness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just really grateful to have Emma here and, um, we're really grateful that she's been so willing to open up with us. So thank you, Emma. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, Emma, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your family before we start? Yeah. So my name's Emma Price, as uh, we've said already. Um, I'm a, a student here at BYU, and which uh, and sorry. Right. But, <laughs> but um, I'm a student here at BYU. I'm currently getting my master's in comparative studies. Um, my husband is in school up at uh, the University of Utah Dental School. And we have three uh, lovely kiddos. Um, Charlotte, who lives with Jesus now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, James, who is two. And uh, Rosalie, who is um, five months now. So yeah. um, I love that name. <laughs> yeah, it's one. Of, it, we we really like it. We actually mm-hmm. worked backwards. We liked the nickname Rosie. Kind of decided okay. we liked Rosalie. That's oh, fun. That's cute. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit. Of so us. two follow up questions for those of you who don't know, uh, BYU and Utah are big rivals. rivals. Big rivals. <laughs> so what's it like being in a home where? Yeah. Well, one spouse studies at one's... Uh, a house divided. Yeah. Right. Yeah, one's like a house divided where it's not just like fans, but studying in those, those programs. Luckily, um, it, has, we, it hasn't been too much of a problem with us since Caleb also got his undergrad at BYU. Oh, okay. so he's... So he's got... He's a good peacemaker. Mm-hmm, exactly. So okay. he's got uh, from both sides. And um, even though we both really enjoy going to uh, BYU football games, we haven't really gotten into the Utah side. So I think okay. we're still kind of leaning still over BYU the fans. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> we still love Utah. Yeah, we do. Even if they lose to Oregon, okay. what was that about, guys? Come on. Um, and then comparative studies. What is that? So um, if you ever took like a humanities class in school where mm-hmm. you're studying like 
art, literature, music, philosophy, and kind of how all of those are kind of working together through history. So that's kind of what I'm looking at, and um, but it's just got a new name and called comparative studies. Okay. Looking at all those kind of different disciplines, and I'm looking at it through the realm of like you, um, YouTube educational videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I'm looking at how um, like the teachers are using those platforms to teach cool new things wow. to people and why they're so effective with their students and why students like them so much. That's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. And you'll be done in April. Will your uh, husband be done too? He, uh, no, he'll. No. Uh, I'll be done in April, and so we'll move up to Salt Lake. Okay. And, yeah. So uh, he's in dental school, so he'll finish in what, like, ten years or fifteen years? <laughs> Luckily, no. Dental school only lasts four. If okay. you want to specialize, you can the go dick's longer. longer. Yeah, okay. but he'll be all done. Um, not this May, but next May. Okay. So the end is in sight. Yes. So close. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, now we know a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked to us about your baby who's now living with with Jesus. Jesus. Um, can you maybe tell us a little about your story? Yeah. Um, well, I guess to get started, um, I guess we'll start for when, when Charlotte was born. So, um, I was, uh, got pregnant with Charlotte in early of 2015. Um, and she was born, uh, November 1st, 2015. And so, um, I had a, relatively normal pregnancy, no complications, no problems with baby as far as we could see. And then, um, and then I had her and she came out and she had a lump on her back. And that was automatically very concerning to us. Um, because it's, wasn't something that was small. It was quite noticeable. It Mm -hmm. took up a good portion of her back when it uh, she was born it was about the size of a, maybe of a normal Reese's peanut butter cup. It's pretty big for a newborn. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a substantial portion of their, of their her, body. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. So um, we uh, worked with a couple of doctors in the hospital, like her pediatrician and other experts that they brought in. Uh, they thought it was a, uh, thought it possibly could have been a hemangioma, which is a just uh, a collection of blood vessels that often comes up in small children a lot of times and it's just kind of a collection of blood vessels that collects underneath the skin and isn't harmful in any way it's just kind of there mm-hmm. so that's what they thought it might be so you're like okay um but uh in the end just to be sure they decided that we needed to go up to primary children's hospital uh, which is in um, salt lake about 45 minutes north of where we live uh here in provo and go up there and get an MRI just to see, to make sure that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so we went up there. Uh, she had the appointment when she was 10 days old. And so uh, they did the MRI um, and uh, they read the results and decided that it was suspicious enough that they needed to take it off immediately. Um, it, And so we had various um doctors and surgeons and so when she was 10 days old she was in the hospital and got the lump removed from her back and when they were doing that they did various tests on it to see what um what it was um and they could tell right away that it was cancerous they did not know what kind or anything that it was but Mm -hmm. they knew it was cancerous and so that was 
obviously quite a um, um, just ground rocking sort of a thing, kind of an earthquake in our lives. And just in, I think the biggest, for the biggest reason that it was just, we had an expectation as to how things would go, you know? And I think everybody kind of does when it comes to kids or life in general. You don't expect specific trials to happen to you. Yeah, don't expect specific trials, but even like little things like being able to just take her home from the hospital, having Mm -hmm. sleepless nights, like whatever. But instead we were at the hospital. She was recovering from a major surgery. She was 10 days old. Like there were little things that we weren't going to be able to do anymore. Like I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed her just because she couldn't turn over on her back Mm -hmm. because they had to keep, um, just because of where it was on her, on her back and the fact that it had actually grown quite substantially between the time she was born and the time that it was the time 10 days later when they took it off. Um, they decided, um, they decided to keep the wound on her back open so that the skin could stretch in such a way that they could close it completely Mm. a couple days later. And so it was just something that we couldn't, uh, not to say that we couldn't understand, but that we definitely didn't expect. And so she, uh, so we were there and, um, and so she spent the first three months of her life in the hospital up at Primary Children's. Our first uh, Christmas with her and was spent in the hospital. And then, and so as she recovered, she recovered quickly. She recovered well. She was, a, and so we made adjustments to kind of our expectations as to what mm-hmm. we were expecting. She um, started chemotherapy pretty immediately. Um, and because she was, uh, in chemotherapy, we need, she was, I was pumping breast milk for her, but because her body was trying to do so much with not only chemotherapy, but also just trying to grow like a normal baby, like we had to fortify the, uh, the breast milk she had with formula and stuff like that. And so she had to be fed, but by a bottle with fortified breast milk and stuff. So the adjustments, I mean, we made the adjustments and it made it work but um it w- definitely I guess wasn't what we were expecting but um so we went along kind of and that was kind of the beginning of her life and the beginning of many different stays in the hospital whether it was to try um uh, to do different rounds of chemotherapy uh to do um we even we went even went to um Colorado for a time to do a um, a drug trial and things like that to see if that would uh, be helpful to her. And we found out um, throughout the course of her uh, life that she her, the, the cancer that she had was called rhabdomyosarcoma. It's a pretty rare cancer. It's even more rare that it is found in newborns. It's normally mm-hmm. found in kids that are between two and three years old. Mm-hmm. And usually by the time it's found, it's progressed to the point that it's... Um, usually not a good thing for the kids, right? Mm. And the kids tend to pass away. But with Charlotte, it was just kind of odd from the beginning in that they rarely see a newborn with any sort of cancer at all. And we found out later through various genetic testing that it was just, it wasn't anything genetic. It was just kind of a 
mutation that just kind, kind of, of thing. happened. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and so, uh, it, and so we went throughout her life going back and forth to the hospital and to our house and trying and just having this new set of, uh, kind of expectations as to what life was and just enjoyed life with her as much as we could. Uh, we had the wonderful opportunity to meet so many wonderful, um, of the, so many of the wonderful nurses that are at primary children's in the mm -hmm. oncology unit and are, and so that was a, and just to meet them and to feel their strength when we were struggling and to, and also to participate in the, um, in the congregation, uh, in the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints congregation that um, can meet meets at Primary Children's Hospital, that's quite the uh, place to be. Um, I'm sure you're, you can imagine yeah. with uh, so many, um, usually parents and kids who are going through some of the weirdest and most difficult parts of their lives. And so it was quite the... Um, quite the life shift. Like she had a, um, she had a port at all times that we had to flush every day because she had to get blood taken so much and blood given to her and medicine given to her that it was better to have a surgically placed port where they could easily access it and not have to poke her all the time. So we oh, had wow. to flush that twice a day, every so, day. So, okay, what does that mean? What is flushing? Mean? So it means basically you're getting some um, a salt water solution mm -hmm. and then just uh, just making sure that the line stays clear. So, so clean. So clean, basically okay. cleaning it out and just flushing it with salt water just to okay. make sure it's going well. And so we had to do that a lot, um, anything from weighing diapers and things. And we got to have her for a wonderful 14 months of her life as but it would it became clear to us in July of 2016 that she was going to pass away from this that this was a terminal case this wasn't anything that she was going to be able to beat mm -hmm. um what was her like her progression like during this process was she like progressing like a normal child in every other sense she really was she was uh so happy and go lucky um she w i mean her progression was a little bit slow and that she really didn't take uh she got really all of her nutrition from milk and uh, like fortified breast milk for her whole life um she wasn't the biggest fan of um pureed foods but i mean no child really <laughs> yeah. is but we also didn't we also didn't really push it because okay. we wanted to make sure she got as much as she needed and was and right. was happy with and that worked better with um fortified breast milk mm -hmm. and um but she, and i mean she she crawled she she smiled she laughed she sat up she batted um she never got quite to um walking or anything she like would walk along the edge of her crib and stuff like that but that happens a lot when they're when kids are stuck in a crib in the hospital room like there's mm -hmm. just no not as much room to get around right yeah. so but all in all she was she developed beautifully and normally like you'd never know from her personality or uh, or from her general countenance that she was sick at all um what was her personality like <laughs> she was uh just very sweet uh she loved um 
everyone. Like, I've never seen a child with um, less uh, of a stranger danger reflex (laughs) than her, which is actually a huge blessing when, like, she's... uh, Had to meet so many new people and be held by so many people. Yeah, all the time. So I think that was a wonderful blessing that uh, she had and that we had. Um, She was, yeah, just very sweet, lively, would kind of um, jabber your ear off. Um, (laughs) She she was very smart. She picked up on lots of um, sign language and things. So even though she didn't end up uh, speaking a lot of words, uh, she... She knew how to make her feelings clear, no, clear and known as, and recognized. As all toddlers find out how to do. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it was. She's uh, just such a sweet, sweet light in our lives. Um, we, um, but when we did find out that she was um, terminal in about July, we um, decided to uh, seek out a therapist um, as for help, kind of just processing our whole situation and uh it was i think one of the best decisions we've ever made in our lives i think up to this point yeah. uh because we can uh we continue to see her now and it's been a rock i think in kind of um not only um kind of helping us process our grief but also allowing us to feel our feelings in the times that we feel them and not being mad at whatever feelings those happen to be at that time. Um, but, and I guess to continue with the story, she, um, we continued trying different, uh, methods, different chemotherapies, uh, different dosages of different things, even that study out in Colorado for a little bit. And luckily Caleb's parents live in Colorado. So we were able mm-hmm. to go and just spend time with them for a couple, for a couple weeks while we tried. But, Nothing really ended up working. The cancer kept re-popping up in various places, even though like they took it from her back. They soon found it in um, lymph nodes and in her spleen, and she had re- surgery to remove her, uh, remove her spleen. And then as time went on, it became clear that it wasn't that the chemotherapy that we were trying wasn't working, and that it wasn't doing any sort of work for her in any sort of real sense. Mm -hmm. And so the decision came to us um, in about um, November or so, um, early November, where we decided to not do any more um, treatments or anything because it was just kind of miserable for her. And then, and it made more sense to us to, um, give her the happiest uh, and most pain-free life possible. And that option was to not do um, those treatments or chemotherapy or um, radiation anymore. Um, we uh, it, it wasn't for lack of trying, I suppose. Um, we've done a lot of different chemotherapies. Um, it, when the cancer had become prominent in a... Um, lymph node under her arm. We did radiation also up at Huntsman Cancer Center here, which is in Salt Lake. Um, and it was just not something and that it went down and something, but it wasn't a permanent fix and it was not, um, leading to any sort of happiness on her part because, Mm -hmm. uh, like because of the tumor, she couldn't really crawl so much anymore. Couldn't put as much weight on that arm and then 
even though it went down it still wasn't that still kind of wasn't regained so we decided in November that we were going to just spend the next month and a half two months just spending time with family so mm-hmm. we did um we spent um and so most of December we spent either with Caleb's family or with uh, Caleb who is my husband and my family um we split a uh, split time between going to uh um universal studios or to the or to like an indoor pool in um Colorado and got to brought all of our family and uh aunts and uncles and cousins together uh so that uh Charlotte could love and spend time with them but it was uh it was a hard time for her and that was kind of the time where she really started to decline um just couldn't eat and was having trouble sleeping and so that meant so were we and so we had medicine and things to manage her pain but it uh came to a point where at the end of my um we were at the very end of a trip to uh to California to see my family and it was getting pretty bad she couldn't keep anything down she was just um kind of just kind of just not she was sad and tired and um I just uh, we were on the plane on our way from LA to Salt Lake and just I prayed uh I remember praying on the plane just to uh kind of talking to half to her and half to God that just wait till we get home um and she did and we got um we got home on uh January 5th and then um we called the hospice care on our way home from the airport because we knew she wasn't doing very well Mm -hmm. and I have to say that some of the best medical experiences I've ever had have been with those hospice nurses as they came and looked at her and kind of uh walked us through the steps of what it would uh what happens when somebody dies and things like that and um so we had but from the time we came home, we had about 24 hours, and she kind of declined the rest of the way, and um, she passed away the next evening, just in my arms, and um, on January 6th, I think, of 2017, and, and then all of a sudden we she wasn't there anymore and um got to uh kind of release her very uh her very uh broken body I think and uh got to uh be taken into um, to very capable hands so we were very so it was a very strange mix of um very strange mix of uh peace and peace and pain that I think could only be uh that 
very, I think, uniquely happens with the loss of a child or loss of a very close family member or otherwise. So I guess that's kind of the story of her life. Um, but that's not to say that her life has not uh, continued to influence ours, right. I suppose. So yeah. um, I guess being able to share the story in any um, range is good, but I also look forward to kind of sharing my different thoughts as to what we learned, I suppose. But uh, I guess, yeah. what are your questions when it comes yeah. to that? I guess that's a First lot off, to kind of give up. Thank you so much yeah, for being willing you. to open up about that. My, oh, we I have... Don't, I don't know how you can talk about that so beautifully. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just, I'm thinking of our our little girl who's... About the same age. About the same age. And I'm just, oh, yeah, that so, is... Just thank you for opening up and being willing to strengthen others too. Yeah. And my, my heart breaks. Huh. No, I appreciate that. Honestly, I do. Oh, okay. Sorry. You need tissue. I might need tissue. Okay. I think we're good right <laughs> Sorry, now. Sorry, like we're the ones crying. Jeez. No. Okay. So, thank you again for sharing for sharing your story. Um, and I'm really interested in hearing more about how you were feeling during this whole process. Cause we talked a lot about what was going on and kind of the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that talking about how you feel about this whole process is a lot harder. Um, so like my, my family, we lost, uh, I lost a brother when he was just over two. Um, he drowned in our neighbor's pool actually when we were moving. Um, and I know that in my family, it's a lot easier to talk about like the facts than it is to talk about like the feelings um, like before, during, and after, and um, even now, so many years later, like the feelings aspect of it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as much as you are willing, can you tell us about your emotional process going through this whole thing? I think I, I think that's a really interesting question because um, it's kind of funny. My um, my husband has been very kind in his. Uh, uh, and always saying that I'm a very uh, steady person. Apparently it was one of the reasons that he wanted to marry me. Um, in that I've... Um, I'm not sure why, but when it comes to my personality and how I process things emotionally, it's just a lot of, well, um, this has kind of been presented to me. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go. And a lot of times it has, I think just um kind of you got to do what you got to do sort of a thing and I think that attitude I think helped a lot during that during those wonderful 14 months and Mm -hmm. that we had with her but um I remember this particular moment where we were at um primary children's we'd kind of just found out all these things she just she just had surgery to get it removed we just found out it was cancerous so it was a lot. And we found ourselves, me and my husband, alone together in the chapel of Primary Children's, which is just a little small room with a beautiful stained glass window. And just, and we just held each other and cried and just, just overwhelmed by the, um, by the loss of this 
by the loss of the life we thought we were going to have. Loss of those expectations that we had. Yeah, and the... um, But... And I don't know how long we sat there. Um, I don't know how... um, How kind of... Or just like lost all track of time. And... But we both stopped crying. We held each other for a little longer and just got up and went. And there wasn't this... And I think... I think as I've thought about it since then, in that moment and in many moments, there it was would have been really easy to be angry at the situation and to be angry at, I think, God in particular. Where so many times um, people who are struggling with anything, whether it's the loss of a child or a or mental illness or divorce or blah, whatever it is, there's a plethora of things to choose from, mm-hmm. um, is that we want to look to something higher to ourselves, not higher than ourselves to kind of understand the narrative of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that, so that could mean also wanting to them to kind of fix the narrative of our lives. Yeah. Where, um, from what I found is, uh, and the perspective that I had is that, um, when we, uh, came to earth and kind of, um, and kind of had the expectation that things were going to be hard, that, um, and in a plethora of different ways for different people at different times, but that life is hard, um, things fall apart, cells don't divide properly, um, (laughs) the things in our brains don't connect properly, um, we get misheard or misunderstood and that can and eat like all those things where it's just um the lord and i think our heavenly father and jesus christ they have this idea that they want to give us uh experience but that's going to be different for each people and they are not um they're not willing to ask us um to give up anything more than they did. Um, and so I've seen, looking back on how much I miss her every day, we have, um, we're, we have a little, um, ofrenda of sorts. I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Coco, but it's one of our favorite movies. (laughs) We like that one too. Um, which is a movie for those who haven't seen it about, uh, Dia de los Muertos, which is Day of the Dead in Mexico, which is a day of remembrance and um, uh, as a where p- the people of Mexico remember their ancestors and their heritage and the people that came before them. And it also, conveniently enough, falls on Charlotte's birthday on November oh. 1st. Um, and so uh, they make these little ofrendas or little altars where they have pictures of their ancestors and bring their sometimes bring their favorite foods or their or things that remind them of them and so we've we decided to create a little ofrenda in our house so we have a little a little picture with her name on it a couple of her toys and a shadow box and a picture frame that um cycles through all the pictures and videos that we have of her and so there have been so many times where I've looked at those pictures and looked at those videos and um, been so happy that I know that I have her and got to have her 
and so sad at the same time that of all that she's not here anymore and that um, can be really difficult because um, I think grief is a very, very strange thing where we have the expectation that we I guess quote get over it right. um, but um, it's and I think learning to live with the str- that kind of um, grief and that struggle because it's something that doesn't leave you as much as you might want it to but then again if I my grief did leave does that mean that like I didn't feel enough mm-hmm. sort of a thing right grief is so complicated yeah it's for a lot. each person yeah and, and so and like there's oh I mean there's a lot of things to grieve over the, the like again like the loss of ex- the expectation of what we might have had the kind of loss of her in general the grief I had for the pain that she suffered and that and this little girl who is the height of innocence and purity and sweetness her body just struggled and just worked against her in a a lot of ways her her spirit was so strong and so um and so full of um kindness and sweetness but um her body made that really difficult um for her so it was i guess i don't know if i'm babbling or not but (laughs) (laughs) but i i guess there's just a lot of um i mean there's a lot of grief there's a lot of um pain but also mixed in with a lot of happiness and happy memories and very joyful moments and also those very powerful peaceful just um moments like of the times when I held her before she passed away and these just moments in time and space where it's just um just spirit on spirit I think in a lot of ways just in just connecting in a way that few other people can and I'm really grateful I got that opportunity to do that with her Mm -hmm. but uh kind of on that note I just have a question for you so a lot of times we we know that we received tons of promises from our heavenly father from the savior Mm -hmm. that if we uh if we come to him and we pray to him and we, we consecrate our lives to him, he will consecrate all of our trials to our, or for our benefit. Um, do you think you're at a point yet where you can say like, these are blessings that I've received from this, this experience? I think, I think so. Um, I think, um, I think it's really important the way we the language that we use in talking about that. Cause, um, we like we hear in like in revelation where it talks about how he will wipe all the tears from our eyes and um the idea that like you said all these things will be put together for our good Mm -hmm. and um but the idea and i think also the idea that all these things will be um that all these bad things that happen to us in our lives will be made right um and I think it's just important to understand that he's not going to take those struggles away from us, but he is going to 
make them right. And in my case, the way I think about it with Charlotte in that, um, I won't be able to, I'm not able to be her mom here on earth for her, um, for a much longer time, right? Um, I, because she passed away when she was so young, like, I don't see, get to see her, I don't get to see her third birthday or her fourth or whatever, um, and all those other milestones that happen later in life. Um, but, uh, and that can, and sometimes that is very consuming and that really makes me really sad that I missed out on that. But I know that, um, in, in going back to that phrase that he will, that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ through, um, the atonement, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection, he's able to, um, uh, to bring her back to me in a way that, um, is more complete and more, um, and, um, that it, in a way that's more complete and more, um, full of peace and love and happiness than I can possibly understand right now. Um, that's, uh, incredibly comforting to me on some days and <laughs> on others it can be comforting but sometimes feel like it's not enough and I I think maybe that's the theme of my experience and that it's uh, and my experience though either with Charlotte or since um, she's passed away has been less of like a gradual like a hill upward it's more of a sign curve <laughs> you know okay. there are good days like there are bad days ups and, and downs um there are good days there are bad days and i think that's one of the greatest things that i've learned from our therapist um is that what you're feeling at one particular time like whether it's anger or guilt or sadness or happiness or joy or in memories or in whatever you're experiencing now like that's okay like you can get like um feeling things is not bad and especially if you introduce um christ and the peace that he can bring that there can be peace even in times of struggle mm -hmm. so i think that's a now i'm forgetting maybe what your question was <laughs> I think that's something that's harder for me is to accept the feelings that I have and to, like, actually, like, embrace them. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to just, like, push it down and push it down and, f like, try to forget. Yeah. But and a lot of times I feel like we have these expectations of ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. oh, in this situation, like, a real believer in Christ will act this way mm -hmm. or will do this thing or will feel this way. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to kind of like let go of that and realize like I am a believer in Christ. Like I do believe in the resurrection. I do believe in Christ's atonement, mm -hmm. but I still feel like crap. Like I still not very happy about the situation. Yeah. And that's like totally legitimate. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus wept. He who was the person that knew, like who knew full well, like that he 
um, could complete the atonement and like and like when his friend Lazarus had been put into the tomb, he wept for his friends and for him like the loss is acute even for him mm-hmm. right he uh just and knowing that he um is willing to see us in our darkest times and in our lightest times and being and be able to say yeah it's okay i get it it happens um and then i think but and i think uh it's all about if uh just coming back to Christ at the end it's uh, it's cur- it's like a very it's a hopefully it's a circular course where um we get down just because of the experiences we had and we feel that loss and feel that pain but if we can come back to him it can give us um maybe more peace and more hope than we expected, especially in those moments Mm. when we feel as low as we do. If you are loving this conversation and wishing it to continue on, even though there are only a few seconds left in the podcast, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was so good. such an uplifting, I mean, a hard, heavy episode, but uplifting and um, inspiring that we just continue talking. And so it's split up into two parts. Next week, you get to hear the second part. Yep, so we're coming in. After the fact and splitting it up so yep. we can uh, split up into two two episodes. Yep. Um, what a great episode. Yeah. I especially love how Emma is so focused on Christ. Yeah. Through everything. And I, I hope that if something like this ever were to happen to me, that I could be the same way. Mm-hmm. And so that's really inspiring that she's just so rooted in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think this was a, a very heavy conversation. Uh, it's a, our tone was obviously a lot different. We usually don't cry on, uh, on the episodes. It's happened before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But like this was time, like I don't usually tear up, but this yeah. one was, whoo. Oh no, it got Andrew. Um, so, and this is one of our biggest fears. Mm-hmm. Like I think we said and that in the episode, but. And it's probably a big fear for every parent. Yeah. It's yeah. terrifying. Um, but I was, I think as. We talk to our brothers and sisters who go through various challenges because they're all going to go through different challenges from us. Uh, And as they let the Savior walk with them and help carry their burdens, they learn lessons that we are not, that we couldn't learn otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm just super grateful for, to Emma and her family for letting Emma come onto the, the podcast and share her experience. Right. Uh, so we can capture some of those those really vital lessons mm-hmm. uh, and share them with with all you wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad and heartbreaking that trials have to happen to us in order for us to learn certain things, but it, it just has to be that way. And it's hard, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole but, like ser- we can do a whole podcast on like why why hard things, things have to happen. Yeah. Um, but this is not that podcast, so we're not going to talk about that too much. But we're just really grateful um, to Emma and to uh, you know all the people that we've been able to have on that kind of talk about this, talk about how they deal with, with hard things and how they include Christ in that. Because that's the big challenge of life, right? Right. Not to figure out like why hard things happen, because mm-hmm. like 
and we know hard things happened. Like that's just kind of like the way the world is. Um, but we also know that Christ is there. Mm-hmm. And so the, our big quest is how to engage Christ in our hard moments and in our good moments. But the hard moments are where we right. absolutely need him. And he wants to be there. He wants to be engaged. So it's really up to us to let him. Yep. And Jesus loves you. He does. Always remember that. He does. So uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, uh, or if you think you know somebody that could really use some some of Emma's messages or some of the messages that we've shared on other episodes, please share our podcast. Uh, please uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen and do all those good, wonderful things that make us feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Not just make us feel good, but feel good, but to help us um, spread the word. Yep. So. Please do those things. Now... I was going to say something funny, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> <Maybe>. that funny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it was. It's just that you forgot. Yep, maybe that's what it was. Well, oh well. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you guys. At least I love you. I think Emily's yeah. still on the fence. No, I'm not. <laughs> we love you and we're grateful for you. Okay, keep See the you. faith. <laughs> <laughs>